May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. All throughout this Advent season in our sermon series, we've been asking the question, what are you waiting for? On the first Sunday, Reverend John guided us into the question, looking at the layered ways that we wait in Advent, waiting for the Christ child to be born and waiting for his second coming at the end of time. Last Sunday, Reverend Brandon spent some time reintroducing us to John the Baptist, who we will spend more time with today, looking at how we repent as we wait. This is the third Sunday of Advent now, the day known for the Latin beginning of the prayers for the day, Gaudete Sunday. Gaudete meaning rejoice. This is finally the Sunday in Advent when we get to light the pink candles in our wreaths. It's a day we claim that vision of joy for ourselves. And so one might expect that on a day set aside for rejoicing, we would have scripture paired with it to resonate and match. Instead, as one author wrote, the Gospel of Matthew has us squatting in a prison cell, keeping uneasy company with a broken and despairing John the Baptist. Gone is the confidence of the prophet we heard last week. His shouts of repentance in the wilderness have shrunk to a whispering question of doubt. Gone are the crowds of followers who often went with him. And there he is, sitting in an isolated prison cell overlooking the Dead Sea, asking the question that is so often our own. Are you the one who is to come? Or are we to wait for another? There was a line in Brandon's sermon last week that jumped out each time I heard it. Simply put, he said, there is no Jesus without John the Baptist. There's no Jesus without this man, and yet he doubts. We first hear of John in scriptures before he was even born. When he was in the womb of his mother Elizabeth, and he leaped for joy within it when she greeted the pregnant Mary. We hold the dramatic images of John, as we heard last week, wandering through the wilderness, wearing uncomfortable clothes, eating bugs, and then the drama of the heavens torn open as he baptizes his cousin, Jesus in the river. At the end of our reading today in Matthew, Jesus turns to address the crowds to speak about John, and he says this is one of the greatest humans of all time, and yet he doubts. A few years ago, the writer Debbie Thomas reflected beautifully on this passage. She said, through no fault of his own, John is in chains and in crisis. 
wondering if he staked his life on the wrong promise and the wrong person. So far, nothing is going like John the Baptist thought it would. He thought that the Messiah was going to come to bring order, to bring fairness and justice to human institutions. He thought that the Messiah was to come to finish the costly work that John began in the wilderness, to wield the axe, to bring fire, to make everything new. And instead, all John's left with is this anguished question, Lord, I staked my life on you. Was it for nothing? As we pace the prison cell with the doubting John this morning, I can't help but pair his question with the sorrow and sighing of so many. That question that sneaks up within our hearts when our expectations come to meet reality and we wonder, is this what I was waiting for? Whether it's a job or a relationship or some plans you had made when you wonder, is this the right time? Is this the right person or am I to wait for another? The question so often sneaks up on us when it comes to our faith. It's not so much doubt about whether God exists or not, but doubt about whether this is the God we expected and hoped for. We pass now from the prisoner's question to the Savior's response. And before getting to what he said or didn't say, I want to draw out something we noticed in our lectionary Bible study this week, which was the stinging fact that Jesus didn't go himself to John. This is the man for whom without him his ministry wouldn't exist, and yet he doesn't go in person to comfort him. More than comfort, he doesn't go to proclaim release to the captives like he said he would do. But what he does is Jesus sends his disciples. And in effect, what he says to John is, I can't answer that question for you. You have to decide yourself. Look at the evidence. And to see the evidence, Jesus tells the disciples to tell John the stories of healing that they've seen scattered and quiet as they may be. The same is so often true for us that we have to decide those questions for ourselves. And yet, paradoxically, we can't do that alone. We have to hear and tell our stories to one another of when we saw a glimpse of God's goodness, where we felt it in our bodies, how we saw a healing that no one thought was possible, a justice that had been so longed for. By patching together those stories, we make the kingdom of God credible to one another. But we don't know if this satisfied John. We don't know if he had some moment of confirmation of his life's work. 
What we do know quite tragically is that just chapters later, he would meet his end, beheaded to satisfy the whims of a young girl at a party. The story of John the Baptist is tragic and full of despair, mirroring the people that we have so often known who have done everything right and suffered anyway. John the Baptist meeting a senseless death that set no one free. To him, he wondered, did no one repent? Teresa of Avila purportedly told God once, Lord, if this is how you treat your friends, <laughs> no wonder you have so few. <laughs> I'm grateful for the raw honesty of John the Baptist, who meets us in solidarity as we wait for joy, and we wait for Jesus, and we wonder. And as we sit in the undone complexity of John, I look to the vision of another prophet who stays with us through Advent, that of Isaiah, who tells us today of a desert that will burst into bloom, where streams of water will flow, when a highway is made called the Holy Way, and all who were broken and all who have been abandoned will return and they will be singing. There will be joy on their faces, everlasting joy and gladness, and all sorrow and all sighing will flee away. Is this the vision for which we are to wait? Is Jesus the Messiah who will bring it about? Perhaps if we strain we can hear John the Baptist's answer from heaven. Yes. Jesus is the one who has come, the one who will come again. Christ will forever turn our despair into joy.